Welcome, my children. The Perfection Projectionist by Jason Heller. My twelfth birthday was still a fresh memory. The day Grandma called me into her office to call to tell me Mum died. It was Sunday afternoon. The matinee was about to begin. Grandma managed a little two-screen movie theatre at the end of a dusty strip mall, circled by spider webs. Aphrosite with weeds sprouting out of the cracks. That's how I picture Florida still as a parched, hairy hide of some mummified giant. Mum sent me to live with Grandma that summer, always a wanderer. Mum had decided to hitchhike to New England for a couple of months just to feel a little freedom, she said. That is the time when people did things like that. Feeling free, hitchhiking hundreds of miles all around, despite looking barely older than a teenage girl, of managing two screen movie theatres in a crumbling strip mall before the multiplexes took over. Grandma sat at the cluttered desk that day, the curls of her auburn perm, unable to hide the threads of silver and roots. She'd been born. She gave birth to Mum when she was forty. Mum had been had given birth to me when she was fourteen. Grandma always seemed to hold that against me, as if I had some, I were some invader who called out of her daughter with the sole purpose of spoiling both their lives. Grandma's voice sounded distant when she spoke about Mum. She was lying, out, laying out an ad for the local newspaper using an acro knife and rubber cement. Little shivers of paper held the titles of the seminar's summer offerings. E.T., the extraterrestrial, colon, the barbarian, Blade Runner, Road Warrior, The Thing, Tron, Poltergeist, Pink Floyd, The Wall. Grandma never watched movies. She never even liked movies. She shuffled these silvers, silvers around in her desk as if they might collapse. Into the new meaning. Her eyes didn't move when she, for them, as she spoke. I remember the mo- these movie titles. I never remembered exactly what she said to me. Something that about how Mum's body was discovered the day before, in the woods of the stretch of the, sorry, the stretch of the interstate in Georgia. Mum only made it as far as Georgia. Somehow, and that seems so sad more sad to me than the fact she had died. Then it was as if we were equal importance. Grandma told me about a new projectionist started working at the theatre. She mostly left him uh, me alone at her house during the weekdays But when she had to run the theatre, but on the weekends she took me to the theatre for matinees. She didn't have to hire a babysitter. She got a free weekend employee, me. I never met the old perfectionist. As so the new projectionist didn't matter to me as if anything about the theatre mattered. How about how could Grandma sit there calmly laying out an ad? Then I realised I felt just as calm. My heart wanted to hurl itself through my chest bone, through the thin layer of the meat and skin that shielded it, and into the theatre's cold, dead, air-conditioned void. But my heart didn't move, couldn't move. It was paralysed, held in place frozen like a prop in a steel frame of a strip of film. It wasn't until I locked myself in a single dingy stool
of the men's room that the idea of crying came to me. A week later, by, by before I met the new projectionist, it was the Saturday after I heard Mum died, crying gave way to the new comforting numbness. The only thing that made me gut wrench was the question that loomed over me like the noonday Florida sun. How and how how did Mum die? An accident, murder, something unimaginable. The problem was I could imagine I was only twelve, but I've seen far more X rated films than most kids my age. Grandma didn't really care which films I snuck into while I was wandered through the theatre each weekend. The concession counter ran down the middle of the place, separating the R movie from the PG or G movie, like a barrier, a membrane between the two halves of a brain, the wall between an innocent world and the one less forgiving. I was cleaning up the dumped buckets of popcorn in the aisles at that week's R-rated movie, Blade Runner, when I already, which I'd already seen three times to the point where Shadow Neon had begun to haunt me. When I heard it a voice, it echoed from everywhere and nowhere across the empty darkened theatre. The movie's over, said the voice. A man, it sounded ancient, a gate with dust, just like Florida. You need to leave, to leave now. I stood there, my sneakers sticking to the congealed soda on the floor, peering into darkness. My mane's frod. There's no ushers at the theatre. There were only two screens. Grandma didn't think she needed them. Also, she couldn't afford to hire any staff besides a ticket taker, a concession clerk, and of course a projectionist. Finally, I sensed where the voice was coming from, the projection window. A tiny square of black high on the black back wall near the ceiling, like the window of a prison. I work here, I said, clearing my voice. I wanted to yell, but it little out not not but it came out a little more like a croak. The acoustics of the theatre amplified my meekness. A pause. You're the manager's grandson. I am Joshua. Joshua. Another pause. Names don't matter. They lies. Disguises roles people play. If I could ponder what it was meant, was supposed to mean, he added, you should finish finish cleaning. The next matinee is starting soon. I had another idea. My apparition stuck. Like a pill in my throat, I managed to say, I'm coming up, up. The projections is sounding perplexed here. Yes, here, there. I've never been in a projection booth, projection booth before. It always wondered what it looked like, how the projector operated, what kind of magic it might hold. His laugh was throaty yet sad. Oh, you determined a protagonist. All right, Joseph. I'm assuming you know about the stair, where the stairs are. Does your grandmother allow you up here? She doesn't c- care what I do, I said. Walking towards the swinging doors that led to the lobby. Outside them, next to Grandma's office, was a door. Marked employees only. I opened it quietly and started climbing the spiral, spiral staircase that led into the projectionist booth. Its cork screwed upward and into nothingness. Halfway up, dust filling my nose, I realised the projectionist hadn't told me his name. Deceiving Grandma would come easily to me. She did see, she, she did see me first, I figured. I wanted to know how, know more about Mum, but I knew pressing Grandma was for an answer, would he vex her? 
or more likely, it would make her shrug and feed me some more vagins. I never even been told what happened to Grandpa all those years ago. Oh, I knew that he served in World War Two. He fought on Pacific and he died. When I was still a baby, Grandma never talked about him. About it or about him. I seen a photo of him once, young and handsome in uniform. His face was extra ruinous. It reminded me of Mum. I asked Grandma about it. I never saw the photo again. Uncertainties and ambiguous untruths, my life was constructed of them. As I wandered at the top of the spiral trade case, I wondered what might be why I was going into the projectionist booth. If, if I saw a drama in every every place, in every one, i seen so many movies here, there in Grandma's theatre, just like many most families in my neighbourhood. We couldn't afford a VCR, but I felt it through the movies had already come become commonplace to me, even with all their spaceships and androids and aliens, that life itself held far more mystique. A silver, silver light shone through the dark from a crack in the door. It was slightly open. I placed my palm against it and pushed. At first I didn't see the protectionist. All I could see was the machine. The protectionist was go always goes to the entire booth. It wasn't the protectionist goes to the whole booth. Tire booth. It wasn't a large space, as far as I could tell. The machine filled it like a nest of serpents that had overgrown its terrarium. Instead of snakes, though, tubes and pistons and protonic cinders, cinders twisted away around this center mass of apparatus, which wheezed and trembled like torso or thorax of some impossible beast. Lights flickered from various apertures, random in shape, size, and placement. Here was the star. There was a crescent. One even looked like an eye. The shifting openings dilated and constructed independently of each other, swirling around the projected blue bulk, flashing occasionally through the small window. In the dark, faced the screen of the after the theatre, half submerged on its back in it. It is a black, jagged surface, origins of bulbous chrome confront, contorted and withered like those trying to release some tremendous pressure held within. The whole machine was so immense I couldn't take it to... in with a single glance. Its silhouette bulged and the image pressed against my retina, refusing to be neatly interpreted. My lungs seized as if unwilling to share the same airs. I forced myself to take a deep breath. I smelled grease rust. Ozone, the air went to scorched, chromy, crumbly tang like batteries thrown in a campfire. I have never seen a projector before, outside the tiny ones that were occasionally wheeled in the class for show educational films. I had nothing to compare to it. I couldn't tell how old or new the machine was, or even if the celluloid itself might be friendly through. Joshua came in a perfectionist voice. It no longer echoed disembodied across the chasm of the theatre. Now it was intimate, a thing of breath and hisses, still somewhere just beyond my senses. Florida was only moist, but a new and inhuman humanity suffered use a room as if a protectionist exaltations to condense to the walls. They looked, they looked sick, like wet skin. What is your favour's name? 
My, I don't know. My, my answer was an honest one. Mum ne- never married him, or whoever have gotten her pregnant in the high school never claimed me. As far as I knew, I never met him. He was just another mystery. Why do you ask? Where are you? He must have been standing slightly behind me all along because I didn't hear a thing. So he laid a hand on my shoulder. The cleanliness of his fingers steeped instantly through the thin fabric of my t-shirt. The fact that it didn't flinch made me feel either brave or numb. I wasn't sure which. I wasn't sure there was a difference. Before I could think of what to do next, he stepped forward back to me. His hair could have been curlier if it had been a result of some cartoon execution. His colour wasn't a, co- a colour at all, but the intermediate hue between sepia and silver. The sunny changed shade every time I blinked. I blinked a lot. He stank. His eyes watered at the sudden thrust of his scent, a ma- mixture of acid battery odour from the before. Another muscular chemistry. He wore a black shirt and brown corduroy pants. When he turned to face me, I could see that the blow tie ruffles of a tuxedo were silk screened on his shirt. Although the printing was fading and flaking off, his face was thin and gaunt. Long shadows hung below his brow and drape bones. Despite the humanity, his skin was as dry and flaky as the tuxedo design of his shirt. Coldless stubble marked mark the sharp stash of his dress. On top of that, he smeared remnants of drawn-on pencil-thin moustache, traces upper lips, variations, vestiges of some periodic swerveness. He smiled. His teeth were like glass, transparent and glittery, as if his mouth had been stuffed with a blue chandelier. Bullwim chandelier. I could see right through them. I am right here, he said finally, his crystallite smile evaporating. He tapped his head towards the heaving, pulsing between before him. Have you have you met him yet? My father, no. What does that mean? What does that have to do with you? Not your father, him, the protector. He gestured towards the machine, an ancient locomotive turned inside out. A giant squid built out of the veins of Ronald T. My bones looked into a static state. Panic. The projectionist didn't seem to notice. He took a step towards the nearest seeming trouble. Rolled his sleeves up to his shoulder and placed his fingertips gently against a slick, shuddering shell. An opening appeared, spelled into a spectacular. The dim illumination of the room became flicker like vertically. You might have... You want to know how it works, don't you? He pushed. He pushed in his arm. The scenes were played a dozen times, a hundred times before. Mum on the highway, standing in a backpack slung over a shoulder, trees around. A truck goes by. Three men are in it. Well, Mum waves at them, but the men don't see her. Grandpa on a bench, muscular, suntan, stripped to the waist. Men in helmets held him. Held at him. At, Oh. and in rifle he crazes it in his arm elbow to wrist he loads it with bullets and shoots they're in the sky a man in a chair a girl stands in front of him his hair shines as bright uh, shines as bright his hair shines as his hair 
head bobs in understanding. The bot head sobs, the girl sobs. Her face as he looks so familiar, blurry and cut from one cloth about the same. Always say, rewind, rewind, repeat, rewind, repeat, repeat, rewind, repeat. A rejected slump beside me, leaning against the machine. His shirt was in shred, his arm was swollen up by the projector, along with a leg and hip. Slits had opened up in the machine's carapace with tiny knife mark wounds. The projector's skin was being fed into them. Long strips of his flaking etrophies were unwound from his flesh. They made a tearing sound as they detached from the fat and moved beneath. The sits were sucked in there. And the strips of skin quivered in the naked air, st- stretched taut and thin. They took on the translucency of yellowed centerfold, spells and walls of sparse hair and pluckered balls, through soft shadows along the ceiling, as the skins and screwed disappeared into the machine. They threaded their way just under its sheen. Under its shell, like a servant, squirming, squirming under a loose earth and an aperture, ocular, unblinking and, and focused itself on a tiny window so far end of the projected booth. The skin passed over it, growing, throwing images into the screen and the theatre below. The images I've been seeing a dozen times, a hundred times, maybe more. The projected It is good. I force my, I force my tongue to work good. The movie, I can't see it. You're not, you, uh, you, only, only you can. I had no answer for him. The flickering of fiction, I kept telling him myself this fiction to help me act. This is it, you know, the greatest ever story ever told. The last picture show he was talking in film titles now. I wasn't sure what it was supposed to signify. I listened. This projector is a fern of spectrum of its kind. I am the last projectionist who knows how to operate it. His eyes rolled back in his head, and his skin shuddered. The machine unpeeled a strip of skin across his chest, dragging a nipple into the air. And drawing forward a flickering slit, and it's, uh, it's, this is it now. The greatest show that never to, ever, ever told. The latest, latest, last show, the last picture show. He's talking film titles now. I wasn't sure it was supposed to signify. I listened. This projector is a fernal specimen of its kind. I'm the last projector so knows how to operate it. His eyes rolled back at his head and his body shuddered. Machine unpeeled a strip of skin across his chest, dragging a nipple into the air and drawing it forward, a flickering slit as if it had sat on its conveyor belt. He gurgled far into the back of his throat, an animal noise, then regaled his voice. Soon there will be no need for us. The, the many hedgehogs has come. There will be no craft, no art, no me. Man will sit in an office, push a button, and the films will come. People don't, won't come to our cinema anymore. They will see sermons in their houses, in their heads. He gurgled at the far back of his phone, and animal noise agreed his voice. 
Soon there'll be no need for us. The many-headed hydra will come. There'll be no craft, no art, no atomy. A man will sit in an office and push a button. The films will come. People won't come to a church anymore. They will see sermons in their houses in their hands. The skin of his lips lift off and the plasma oozes like melted celluloid from the moustache had been. The movie, is it true? Part of me hoped he wouldn't be able to answer. There is only truth, he said, his lips dripping plastic, his voice crackling out of his throat like a scratchy old phonograph. Our truth, we are cameras, you and I. Bow rolled in my belly. My insides seemed to eat themselves through the pain. A vast aloneness pressed down on me like a revelation. I was human, maroon. I was an alien marooned on Earth. And Android discovering she isn't human. A, ma- a, ma- a man losing his mind to worms, and there wasn't any worms. What do I have to do with it? It's up to you, he said as the eyelids fluttered into one of the machine's slits like a kakari of butterflies to learn how to operate it in the projector. How long had I been in a projection booth? Minutes? Hours? Years? I looked around over my shoulder to see time accordingly behind me, a jumble of frames stretching back into the distant darkness. A head was only the projectionist. A head was only the projector. In each frame was me. I flattered positioned in a small, in still life, a non-stop snapshot, a cross-section, a core sample, a slide on a microscope. I reached a hand towards the nearest lens. It blinked and shivered as at the top of the telescopic stalk, milk, linking milky oil clouded by some cataract of obsolescence. My fingers brushed against it and proved it towards me, like a pl- plant grasping for the sun. I think of Grandma downstairs in her office, pushing pieces of paper. She never watched movies. She never even liked movies. She just sat there, a collection of dust, waiting for the motorbikes to come. Slowly at first, and fluttering rustle of insect wings, my skin begins to unravel. The scenes we play a dozen times, a hundred times, maybe more. Mum on a highway, standing with a black Backpack strung over his shoulder, trees all around. A tr- truck has stopped. Three men get out of it. Mum talks to them. She glances at the tree. Grandma on the bench. A masticate some. Mom on the highway standing there with a backpack slung over her shoulder. Trees all around. The truck had stopped. Three men are about to get out of it. Mum talks to them. She glances over at the trees. Grandpa on the bench. Emancipated sunburn stripped to the waist. Men in the helmets. Hand held him. Hand him a hunk of meat. It looks like a leg or fold. Incredible. Picks out the small white worms and eats it raw. A man in a chair, a lady squats in front of him. His belt buckle clinks and the leather slivers out of his loops. A man grunts, the lady girl grunts. Their faces look familiar. Cut from the one remaining virgin. Repeat. The man in the chair goes front of 
crouched in front of him. His belt buckle clinks the leather stripes, sivers of its hoop. The man grunts and the girl grunts. Their faces look familiar, similar, cut from one emerging, one flesh emerging against the same. Rewind, repeat, rewind, repeat, rewind, repeat.